1: The Joyce Kaufman podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4 Code Red or visit coderedroofers.com.
2: They were there. And I never I never want to forget that, and I never want to let my audience just take it for granted how how blessed we are to have a country that still honors our military and still appreciates the incredible nature of this nation. I was at an event last night, and it's interesting because when I went to the event, um, of course, prior to going to the event, I was looking at some news headlines. And one of the headlines uh, was about the event that I was going to. And it painted the event in such a terrible light that I actually had a momentary pause and I thought, whoa, wait a minute. Where am I going? What is this about? The event was part of the Reclaiming America or Reawakening America tour, but it was actually pastors for Trump. And since my husband and I do pastor a church and since we are uh, Trump supporters, it seemed like, a, you know, an excellent place for us to go. And then I realized, you know, the media is just so evil. They really are. That they would brand this event white supremacists and all this nonsense. And so I said, well, now more than ever I'm going down. And it was at uh, Trump Doral National in, in Miami, which is a beautiful hotel <laughs> golf course, whatever it is, hotel, primarily. And we did go down, and we did attend this event. Uh, my friend Roger Stone was there. Mike, General Michael Flynn was there. And pastors, lots of pastors. Um, pastors of all colors. Pastors of all size, shape congregations. Just a lot of pastors. And a lot of praying. And a lot of people talking about how unfair the media was In its representation of the event and of any event, right? You know, I'm watching today. And by the way, there was a pastor there. I can't remember his name. I think it was Hickok. But anyway, this pastor was a powerful preacher. Ends up having been a marine for 24 years. I can just imagine what it was like being under his leadership. You know, just a powerful man of God. And he was talking about how you know, pastors have a responsibility. First and foremost, we're not in, you know, in politics. However, we are in morality. And right now this country is faced with a very immoral enemy. And whether you think it's, you know, liberals or the the left or whatever you think it is, there's something going on that is definitely not good for this country. And people like me have to stand up against it. I've always told you that I think the biggest problem in America today is that we've seeded all the moral ground. That's right. That we've gone and said, you know, well, uh, life's not valuable and, uh, you know, doing the right thing's not important. We have a whole generation of people coming up who think, like, well, you know, uh, God is, uh, if he's there, that's nice. If he's not, who cares? Well, you know, if you don't have those fundamental beliefs that there is a right and a wrong and that one day you'll be held to account, ooh, that's a very dangerous place for civilization. General Flynn, I actually shot a video of General Flynn. I should probably send it to you, Sharina, to put up, uh, where he talked about, you know, he referenced the flag. And he pointed to the flag and he said, you know, this is what gives us the ability to walk into a church on Sunday. And he's right. You know, there are 58 countries around the world where you cannot read the Bible. You can't go to church. You can't say the name Jesus. And one of the reasons that we can is because of our forefathers who wanted the freedom of religion, who enshrined it in the First Amendment, and, and who the the entire... Declaration of Independence is basically us saying, we don't want to worship the way you tell us to. We want to worship our God the way we want to worship our God. And so it was just, it was an event that I needed. That's all I'm going to tell you. Because sometimes you get really demoralized about things and you think, oh my gosh, you know, I've been praying and I've been, uh, you know, reading and I've been studying and I've been making speeches and I've been doing a radio show and doing podcasts and like, you know, and, and all of a sudden I have to look at uh, you know the southern border and be expected to think it's okay that the border flood approaches one million people. one million people. This is not this is not a good thing. it really isn't. And I am thoroughly convinced that there are people crossing the border. I was looking at some of these um, video excerpts over the last 48 hours. They sure don't look like, uh, you know, uh, uh, a couple of hundred Mexican immigrants coming across the border to pick oranges. All right. I saw people from every part of the world, a whole group of uh, Asians. I think they were Chinese a whole group of Middle Easterners, a whole group of of Venezuelans and Brazilians and and people from Africa. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, you know, most of the world wants to come here. I know that. But at what point do we say this isn't going to work well for us? A million people, migrants, traveling to the border to find whatever you know, maybe peace, to flee crime, even though there's asylum rules in place, a lot of these people are gonna be released into the interior of this country, and they're just looking, uh, you know, uh, for a secure job. They're looking to get away from the criminality in their own countries. That is not a valid claim for asylum. I'm sorry. As Title 42 ended at midnight, which was what the Public Health Authority was using to control this onslaught of migrants who were waiting in Mexico to rush the border. You know, this catch and release network that's in existence now, while they're waiting their immigration hearings sometime in the future, this doesn't bode well. You know, I got men and women fighting in the United States military to preserve our freedoms and rights and uh, nobody's stopping, you know, some 23 year old military aged Honduran, Guatemalan man, Venezuelan from crossing our border without signing the guestbook. Fleeing violence. I get it. But we can't tolerate it. People coming across that left their children behind, they don't even qualify for asylum. They're just running away. I've been chronicling this for years. Very few migrants end up securing asylum. But thanks to the backlogs in the federal immigration court system, most of them will be released into the interior of this country and remain, regardless of whether they have a valid asylum claim or not. In New York City, Some migrants with very dubious asylum claims will not have to go before an immigration judge until the year 2033. That's how backed up the system is. This is a self-inflicted wound by the Biden administration. And if you don't believe, as I do, that the same propulsion to get Donald Trump into the White House in 2016 will be the same propulsion in 2024, you don't follow politics as closely as I do. But I'm telling you right now, whoever runs on a close-the-border platform will be the next president. And it obviously is not going to be Joe Biden. And I don't know. You know, I said yesterday, if I were Ron DeSantis, I'd keep my powder dry and... Uh, you know, and allow Donald Trump to get the nomination and then allow him to clean up some of this mess. Nobody wants to walk into this mess except Donald Trump. All right, He has literally nothing to lose. They have taken away everything from him, uh, or tried to. They have taken away much of his fortune. They have taken away uh, much of his reputation. They have taken away uh, a great deal of his family's wealth and dignity. Um, So he he literally has nothing left to lose and everything to prove, not to mention he's the only one who could take a CNN town hall and turn it into a TNN town hall, the Trump News Network. Anyway, don't forget to visit the website 850wftl.com, where you can register to win in one of our contests, or go to the website 850, that's what I said, or go to our app, The 850 WFTL app, you can uh, register online or at the app. And I'll be back in just a few moments with Ron Kovacs from the Federation of American Immigration Reform. They're down there at the border. So let's get the insight as to what's really happening. Stay right where you are.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage,
2: You know, one of the great things about uh, participating in as many events as I do and have over the last 20-odd years is that I get to meet a lot of people who have a lot of first-hand knowledge, and right now I'm going to be speaking with the Press Secretary of the Federation of American Immigration Reform, Ron Kovacs, and uh, I've known Ron for quite some time. I've known, been working with FAIR for eons, it seems. And they're down there at the border. So, Ron, I mean, the mainstream media seems to not be very concerned about the million people that have just come across the border.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Joyce. I I just I do not know how they see it that way, because being down here in El Paso, I could tell you it is certainly a situation. I would call it an emergency.
2: Yeah. An invasion. I mean, there's really no no other way to describe it. Yeah. I mean, and, and to listen to these reports, uh, you know, I just saw a report where they said, well, you know, they're fleeing crime and they're uh, looking for work. And I'm thinking, wait a second, you know, that that's not you don't get granted asylum for those reasons. These are not political prisoners and we don't know where half of them are coming from.
0: It's true. It's true. And, you know, these people are just getting led across the border. I'll tell you, I was just at the border yesterday, right in there in El Paso. And, you know, along the border fence, they have gates where the Border Patrol are able to drive, drive their trucks back and forth across everything like that. They're not real ports of entry. They're really made just for access. So Border Patrol is able to better protect our country. What's going on right now down there in El Paso is that they actually have people lining up outside of these gates. And, and it's crazy because the terrain, it, it very hilly so you'll see a hill you see the border wall on top and you can't necessarily see over it we were lucky enough to have a drone with us where we were able to shoot it up into the sky and look over the wall over the wall in one part there were 500 people one night when we went to look when we go to look that they, they're sitting there we wait for about 20 minutes we see border patrol literally open up the gate and allow people into the country they throw them on the vans and they disappear into the night I don't you know they go to get their asylum papers however they do it but this is happening over and over and over again. We went back to the same spot the next morning. The crowd was double in size and they're letting even more people in. They are literally opening the gates wide open and just letting them walk across.
2: And yet you have Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, saying that the border is not open and we're managing this very well. By managing, does it mean that they've got enough buses to transport them into the interior of this country? What does that mean?
0: By managing, he means he's playing one of the most complex cloak-and-dagger games that the Biden administration is playing right now. The best way to describe it is if you're talking about the CBP-1 app. I'm sure you've talked about it and your smart mm-hmm. listeners know all about it. The CBP-1 app, what it does is it allows people, no matter what country you're in, all you got to do is pop open the app, apply for asylum, show up at the United States border, whether it's Mexico or Canada, talk to a border patrol agent, and you're allowed into the country with an asylum claim. As you said, these people aren't fleeing persecution. These are people looking for for jobs. Looking around downtown El-, downtown El Paso, these are teenagers, these are 20-year-old males who are coming in looking for a paycheck. And I mean, obviously, yeah, you know, people need support. We understand that, but there's legal ways to do that. If you're looking for a job, it's called a visa. That's the way our system set up. But with this asylum claim, with the CBP1 app, people are showing up at the border saying, hey, I have this claim for asylum I did through the app, whether or not it's a bogus claim, and they're let into the country with an asylum date, which might be 7 to 10 years down the line. So we don't know what's going to happen to these people in the meantime. And these notices to appear, they're, they're happening so far ahead. Who knows when they're going to happen?
2: Yeah. I, you know, and look, we've been living through this nightmare on and off for decades now. But the Biden administration really just seems um, they have to be deliberately tolerating this kind of stuff. I mean, I was looking at scenes from last night where You know, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection officers, you and I know lots of these guys, they're just totally overwhelmed. They cannot stop this, you know, this onslaught of human lives. And and they're they're real people. They're sensitive about the children. And and yet I'm looking at these photographs, and these are predominantly young males, males who would normally be in the military. Why aren't they fighting for their countries? I, I, I just don't get it.
0: You know, Yeah, and if you're looking for work, I mean, how many entrepreneurs are there in America? You know, maybe you could make a small business. Maybe you could do something which could help your country, especially if you have this drive where you're willing to walk hundreds of miles to come to the United States border. Why can't you have that drive to start up a business in your own country? But that's besides the point. You said that the Border Patrol is overwhelmed and they're looking for help. Something interesting that we saw one night when we were there was Border Patrol, they have these hundreds of people on the other side and they're letting them in, and, you know, we're videotaping them, we're filming them because we're trying to document this So, you know, for, for our nonprofit, everything along those lines. And, uh, you know, we see them. there's a lot more migrants than there is Border Patrol there. So they're a little bit overwhelmed. And then all of a sudden what we see come up behind us, four big white pickup trucks and about five U.S. military men come out of each – every single one. They go up and help block, uh, block our view with the Border Patrol. So what Biden is doing is it's very, very intentional in the fact where they want to make sure we don't know what's going on. And they're using the people who are supposed to be protecting our border – as a way to protect his
2: plan. Oh, my goodness. And then we have, you know, uh, individual states, and I happen to live in a state where the governor is, you know, very, very strong about immigration, and we signed an immigration bill with e He he signed it just yesterday. Um, But, you know, this... uh, for, for 30 years, they've been telling me it's a federal issue, and states really don't have any jurisdiction over immigration, and then they've left these states to wrestle with these incoming fluxes. I mean, when you got uh, you know sanctuary cities like New York and Chicago, and you got sanctuary states like California all beating their heads against the wall and begging the federal government to give them some funds so that they can manage this problem, you know- that we're in a catch-22. I don't know how we get out of this. Uh, I really yeah, don't. Yeah. I think it's gone too uh, far.
0: Well, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, two things that I would say are really, really crucial in that is number one. I mean, these rules are these rules are intentionally confusing. I know you have Mark Morgan on all the time. What mm-hmm. he said, and I've heard him say this countless times, is that all these rules are changing so much, and they're so nuanced, and there's so many different ones that it's it's hard for Border Patrol, and of course, the women, men, and women are Border Patrol, fantastic people and fantastic intelligent people. But these laws are changing so fast, and there's so many of them, it's hard for them to be able to know what What really the plan is. And they're so overwhelmed with people. It's just the the default is to come across the border. Um, And and that's really what it is at the end of the day. And I I really think this plan got laid out when you hear what uh, Senator Schumer said just, I think it was four or five months ago, he got up on stage and he said, well, we want to make sure that we legalize every single illegal immigrant that's in the country, all 11 million or, quote, however many there are here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the crux of it, is that they want to let people in to help get jobs, to help get sustained because we all know how they're going to vote at the end of the
2: day. Yeah, I think they're wrong about that. But that's, you know, that's that's their intent is they think they're going to vote for whichever party promises to give them the most benefits. But I think they may be very surprised at the fact, you know, I'm Hispanic. There are so many Hispanics who are very conservative and very family oriented, and they're not going to fall for that. And, uh, you know, and some others are not going to vote. There are people who are coming into this country. They don't want to become a part of this country. They just want to make some money and send it back to their home country. So all of this fantasy that they have of replacing Democrat voters, um, you know, I I don't know that that's going to work for them. And when it doesn't, we're still going to have millions of illegal immigrants in this country. Nobody thinks past the end.
0: It's true. It's true. And that e-verify, that, that is the key part. You you hit it on the head. Because mm-hmm. that e-verify, once you put mandatory e-verify in place for every job in the country, it makes it so people who come illegally can't get the job. And mm-hmm. these people, you know, like we talked about, they're coming in through the app, they're coming for economic asylum. If you make it so you have to get e verified to have a job in the country, they're not going to be able to be employed, and that's going to make it so they're not going to want to come.
2: Yeah. Well, let me just ask you. I mean, obviously, you get to talk to these Border Patrol agents, so they, I, they've they got to be frustrated. They've got to be overwhelmed. But are they also concerned that the amount of fentanyl pouring into this country as we're busy processing illegal immigrants is frightening? It's affecting all of their communities as well.
0: It's terrible. It's terrible. And they'll echo the same thing I'm saying right here, which is the way that these policies are, in which more and more people are allowed, because we don't have you verified, because it's so easy to get asylum to come into our country, and you're going to be here for so long until your actual case comes up. We mm-hmm. have these masses and masses of people piling up along the border gates, like I'm talking about. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is that when you have 500 people at one spot on the border, that means, you know, a half mile down the way, three quarters of a mile down the way, the Border Patrol isn't going to be there because they're too busy with this group of people, which makes it a lot easier to traffic drugs, a lot easier to traffic. Humans, and I'll say this right now: operational control. It's not in the hands of Border Patrol. It's in the hands of the cartels because they have the strategic advantage. Because all these people are able to come in willy nilly.
2: Yeah, well, don't don't worry too much, Ron, because Alejandro Mayorkas just said that there's been no significant increase at the border. What he didn't say was we've been flooded for the last three weeks. <laughs> so it doesn't. Of course, of course. Yeah. And,
0: and of course, like I said, you know, they're getting this entire flow underneath the guise of a fake legality. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why numbers, you know, if you look at it over the past few months, the C D P numbers, they look like they've been going down. And he says we have control. And he says Title VIII is going to do all this. But really what it is, is it's just under a fake form of legality in which these people are coming in as economic asylum.
2: Yeah. Ron, thanks so much. Please uh, give my best to everybody down there, and thanks for the good work that FAIR continues to do. Everybody head over to the website, fairus.org. Always appreciate talking to you, Ron.
0: Thank you, thank you. One last thing I wanted to say is if anyone wants a few videos of any of the stuff I was talking about today, go to our social media, FAIR on Facebook, at FAIR Immigration on Twitter. You can see footage of all this there.
2: All right, thanks, Ron. Always appreciate it. Take care. Thank you so much we got to take a break. I'm just uh, just overwhelmed by this. I'm reading this new news story of a million people, a million people, like a million people. Anyway, um, and and twelve forty five. We'll go on a lighter note. We'll have to talk to Derek at TMZ because I just I can't. I just can't. Uh, I got ordered my new T-shirt though. Instead of saying CNN, it says TNN because after that. Uh, town hall on Wednesday, I think we can now call it the Trump News Network. I'll be right back. Well, before I get into the uh, lighter side with uh, my son Derek at TMZ in the next segment, I did want to, you know, talk about Mother's Day. And, you know, I, I don't often talk about Mother's Day because I think in the last 11, 12 years since I have not had my mother with me. Um I've forgotten how important Mother's Day always has been. And yes, I am a mother and a grandmother, so I still experience Mother's Day. But something happens and I, I try to explain this, you know, my daughter in law, my my son Derek's wife, this will be her first Mother's Day without her mother. And um I remember my first Mother's Day after my mother transitioned out of here. And it was brutal. It was harder than her birthday or any of those other things. It was just difficult. And you have to understand, my mother, I was with her on Mother's Day of 2009 in Puerto Rico, and it was that day that she had the stroke that eventually ended her life. And so Mother's Day just has never been... Um, just never been comfortable for me, and I don't know how many other people there are out there who struggle with it. But I assume there's probably a lot of you. And even if it's not a conscious struggle, because it's not like I dread it. Um, you know, my daughter and grandsons sent me these beautiful candles and this T-shirt that says "Mama," because all the kids in my fam- my son and daughter, call me Mama. They never called me mom or mommy or mother. It was always mama. And my husband calls me mama. And so that's my name. And so my grandson found a T-shirt at uh, Target. And he said, you got to get this for Bubby. That's what everybody calls her. So they sent me that T-shirt. So, you know, it's it's a, so far a good Mother's Day. My my husband had flowers sent. The flowers were here when I got back from visiting some inmates. And so I, I really had to pause and say, you know, am I ready to, to turn the page and start enjoying Mother's Day again? Because it used to be like my favorite holiday. I used to um, always make plans to get my mother something special, take her out to lunch or brunch or dinner or something, even though it's the worst day to go out, right? Because everybody's taken their... Mama, grandma out to lunch, and restaurants are slammed. Um, but it was always like a big deal for me. And then I just put it to bed for a couple of years. And I decided that this year, you know what? I'm ready to make it a big deal again. And I don't know what how that change took place, but I'm just grateful that it did. So I'm going to take my my stepdaughter and and her son, and we're going to go out to a really nice dinner on Saturday night. I don't want to face the crowds on Sunday, but we'll go to, out to a nice dinner on Saturday night and we'll celebrate because only as Fred, uh, what's his name, uh, in the beautiful day in the neighborhood, there's a, a video that's out now of, of Mr. Rogers singing, you know, your body's fancy, my body's fancy, boys are boys and girls are girls and only girls can be mommies and only boys can... And we have like completely lost sight of that, right? Yeah, anybody can be a mother according to the woke crowd. And so maybe what I'm doing is fighting back because that's just not true. Not anybody can be a mother. In order to be a mother, you first must be a woman. And in order to be a woman, that happens before you're even entering into the world. That DNA is lined up in the utero, in the utero, and then you are born a girl, and then you grow into a young woman. And eventually, like me, you grow into an old woman. but you're a woman, and you can be a mother. Now, that doesn't mean I don't know men who have had to take on the roles of both father and mother, because I do. I know single dads who have raised their children, and they have to uh, be a father and a mother. I also know some um, male couples who have raised children. You know, and whatever your opinion is about that, I know some pretty darn good parents. I don't call them mothers because they're men, but good parents who who take very good care of their children and who um, provide for them. I don't know how male parents can teach a little girl some of the things she's going to need to know, but I was a single mom of a boy, and I can tell you there were some things that I couldn't teach him. I could not teach him how to... Uh, pee-pee standing up, you know, didn't have the capacity. So I had to incorporate, you know, grandpas to do that kind of stuff. But Mother's Day, which is one of these fabricated, uh, you know, holidays anyway, right? I'm going to revitalize my affection for Mother's Day because mothers are getting pushed aside. Mothers are being told that men can get pregnant and men can be mothers and and anybody can be whatever they want to be. And I don't believe that. I really don't. Men can be parents. Men can even, two men can be parents together. But only a woman can be a mother. And I think when we diminish the value of mothers, we set in motion a terrible, terrible precedent you know, just last night at this prayer meeting, this uh, pastors uh, for Trump meeting, you know, I had a sense of the power of returning this country to its Judeo-Christian roots. Because as General Flynn pointed out and, and some of the pastors that were speaking, this country literally was founded on all of the precepts that are part of Judeo-Christian teachings, whether it's the Ten Commandments. This morning I took out a book I have on the Ten Commandments and I started to read through it. You know, honor thy mother and father. These are rules that really create a much more benevolent, safe society. And when we started taking all of this stuff out of the public square, whether it was prayer out of the schools, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, the sanctity of life through unlimited uh, abortion, when all of these things became acceptable, when our morality and our decency was disposed of, the world got ugly and nasty. And this country had some really. Um, really strange things happen. And I just, uh, I, I'm going to use this Mother's Day, this particular Mother's Day, to remind myself and to remind everybody I come in contact with that uh, little girls grow up to be women. And women can be mothers. Not all women will be, but women can be mothers. And we ought to respect them. We ought to honor them and we ought not tell them that they're not unique and that anybody can be a mother cuz i don't believe that i really don't and that's not to say that i don't believe there's some women who shouldn't be mothers cuz i do so i don't know maybe it's uh, just me as i as a age i begin to look at things so differently and i last night i heard some words that were spoken that told me this is not about an individual. I'm not looking to Donald Trump to be my savior or the, the messiah. I don't worship him or anything like that. If this country is going to get saved, it's going to get saved by the 80 million people who voted for him, not by him, by us. We got to be proactive. We got to start at the local levels. I was on the phone this morning with Lori Cardoza-Moore. We were talking about, you know, people getting on school boards, people getting on commissions. This is the way change is going to happen in this country. We have to mobilize. We have to awaken up the people who seem to be sleeping through this nightmare, and we have to get them involved. And when we do that, I believe that, uh, you know, that's when God steps in and says, okay, now you're on the right track. Let's see if we can fix some of these things. Anyway, don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock is Dan Bongino, coming up at 4 o'clock is Ben Shapiro, at 5 o'clock Matt Walsh, at 6 o'clock the WPTV News, and then it's like, hallelujah, the weekend will be here. But I have one segment left, and I'll be joined by my son Derek from TMZ, so stay right where you are. All right, and uh, welcoming my son Derek from TMZ out there on the left coast. How you doing, kid?
1: I'm hanging in there. How about you? Mother's Day around the corner, so this is uh, your, your gift, hearing your son's voice across the country.
2: You're kidding.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> of course. I always take care of you. All
2: right. So, I mean, come on. Oh, right. man. They, they
1: said that wouldn't go over well. I was like, I'm, I'm thinking of telling her my voice is the gift. And they yeah. said, uh, maybe pass on that, but I just went for it. <laughs> Figured we have <laughs> enough history.
2: Yeah, your voice on Sunday might be a gift, but uh, this is a segment we do every week. It doesn't count, okay?
1: That's true. That's just a par for the course.
2: Yeah, exactly. But so many crazy stories that I wanted to talk to you about. Like, first and foremost, you know, I'm sure we had very different takes on it, but, um, you know, Donald Trump just put out a new T shirt that says TNN, the Trump News Network. You have to admit that that was a big mistake on CNN's part on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. They're certainly taking a lot of backlash for the the town hall. People are saying it's giving him a platform uh, for his lies and so forth, and a lot of other networks are taking them to task. And, you know, they trotted out someone who's not a total rookie, but – uh you know, Caitlin did okay, but she was really against a formidable opponent, very good uh in these types of settings
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, you know now Anderson Cooper is trying to rationalize what happened and say, "Listen, he is going to be the Republican front runner. He has to be given the oxygen he needs to he's in an exalted position as a, as a front runner for the for the seat of the White House again. Mm-hmm. So we have to reckon with this, uh whether you like it or not
2: Listen. These these networks, um, CNN and MSNBC and Fox, never appreciated the amount of ratings that were generated by Donald Trump. Whether you're pro or uh, anti Donald Trump, he brought new life to cable news. And when he was gone, they all, you know, they all took a dump. So I don't blame CNN for doing it. I do blame them for putting in. Uh, a less than adequate opponent for him because I I think, you know, he just chewed her up when he pulled the papers out of his pocket and said, like, I got the receipts, you know, she didn't know what to say. So it'll be interesting, you know, to see how this goes. It
1: it sure will. I mean, he is going to, uh, his popularity is rising and there's, there's some, there's sort of a a Jason quality, like like the old movie villain with the hockey mask. Like you can't, Take down Donald Trump. There's something about him that is captivating to a pretty large segment of the American population, and they've tried a lot of things. They've tried indicting him. He's obviously facing the civil suit judgment for $5 million, but his popularity is only ascending, and uh, people are getting nervous about it, some Mm -hmm. people, and some people are very excited about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know me. I'm very excited about it. Um,
1: I know you very well.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, But there's some other crazy stories. You know, one of my favorite stars over the years has been Shakira, um, primarily because I think she has an incredible voice and kept a pretty low profile. But all of a sudden it's like, is she dating Tom Cruise?
1: Yeah, those were the rumors. Uh, (laughs) She is denying them and saying, I am not dating Tom Cruise. Everyone just calm down. Uh, We're not a couple. Uh, things aren't heading in that direction, but when pictures of them hanging out at this F1 racing event came out, and he was beaming, and we haven't seen Tom, you know, he's got that 1,000-watt smile, but he looked really excited. There were rumors that he had sent for flowers after their introduction. Now, there's a bit of an age gap, but not a crazy one. You know, he's 60. I think he's 46, so mm. it's a manageable span. They're both international global superstars. Of the highest order. So, in some ways, it made a little bit of sense. Then there were rumors she was dating F1 driver Lewis Hamilton, who was the biggest thing in racing, super handsome, and dated all sorts of celebrities over the years. So, that made some sense. But we don't know exactly who she's dating. We know that she had a very messy breakup from PK, um, her, her boyfriend, who is a soccer star. Um, and she's very, very beautiful, very desirable. So, I think these rumors will continue to fly for a while.
2: Absolutely. But one couple that I was glad to see back together were Sly and uh, Jennifer Flavin.
1: Yeah, I mean, they are promoting a reality show, and, you know, things were messy before this. A lot of people are speculating that was all this messiness with the divorce and the tattoo of the dog that covered her face on his shoulder. I mean, it it got really nasty and sloppy for a little while, but now they're all smiles again. They've got their three beautiful daughters, Justine, Sophia, and Scarlett, who... It looks like the family is trying to launch into the Kardashian sphere, and they're mm-hmm. they're launching this premiere of their series called The Family Stallone. Uh, the girls are very very pretty. They are younger than the Kardashians, who are getting older. Even though the, the next generation is is coming along nicely with the with the kids of the of the Kardashians, so we'll see. I think this could be a real rivalry, though, because they're quite interesting. They have podcasts. Lai is a huge celebrity. It's a little bit like when the Osborns launched.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so is Tom Brady really going to uh, to buy the Raiders?
1: You know, I don't know if this will go through. It's certainly interesting. And, you know, he's the GOAT of football. And when the GOAT of basketball uh, retired, Michael Jordan, uh, he bought a team. So I mm-hmm. can see uh, he's got enough money, for sure, to make a serious investment. Mark Davis is the eccentric, you know, son of, of Al Davis. And although that team is worth a lot of money, uh, there's issues he has with inheriting the team and so forth. There could be some tax implications and things of that nature where he may need an investment like that. And who mm. better than Tom Brady to be the face of your franchise? I mean, it's, if the Patriots aren't for sale and the Bucks aren't for sale, he's got to get in somewhere.
2: Yeah, I guess that's true. And Brittany, oh, my gosh. We haven't talked about Brittany in a while, but apparently now you guys have uncovered some ridiculous legal fees.
1: Yeah, so this is a developing story, but Britney's lawyer, who was a hero, really, in, in, in getting her out of the conservatorship, he really went to bat for her and became sort of a, a very trusted advisor and lawyer for her during that that whole affair. Um, he's charged a lot of money for it. And, you know, he's a very fancy lawyer, Matthew Rosengart. And between November 2021 and March 2023, that tab came out to over $4.2 million, and that was <laughs> – a bit upsetting. Um, it represents a lot of work that was performed after the conservatorship where he was going after Jamie Spears. He alleged all sorts of misconduct. And and uh, frankly, a lot of his complaints were about the fees that he charged Britney. So there's a bit of uh, hard feelings on Britney's side to be given a tab this high when part of the issue she had was that her family was taking money from her.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, she's just, her life has been so troubled. You know, she's one of those stories where you say to yourself, maybe it's not so great to be famous.
1: Yeah, you know, it's really troubling. We have a we have a new documentary coming out um, called The Price of Freedom, and and really it talks about what's happened post conservatorship. I mean, she labors under some serious um, you know medical issues and mental mm-hmm. mental health issues that she tries to manage and were somewhat managed during the conservatorship, maybe not in the best fashion always, but it's hard with her level of fame and battling those types of issues. Um, and it hasn't really been a smooth road the entire time
2: no it hasn't and uh, it'll be interesting all right kid will you uh, make sure that your wife has a very good mother's day um, you know because it'll be tough for her this year so you know I sent her I'm a big sure box. I'm
1: sure we're we're all gonna rally around her as a family and um, we look forward to seeing you soon we'll celebrate in person soon enough
2: amen all right love to all you take care
1: all right same to you guys have a good weekend.
2: All right. And that uh, pretty much wraps it up for this week for me. I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here on Monday if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself because everybody else is taken. And again, make sure that as you look through the various news sites and news stations over this weekend that you take some time to detach and call your mama and wish her a happy Mother's Day. And if your mama's gone, uh, light a candle. And if you have some kids, wish them a happy Mother's Day. See you on Monday. God bless you and God bless the United States of America.
1: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.